All right, HTC, how you doing? Oh man, I love that new trailer for our series. It really just does a great job of encapsulating really what this lifetime begins to look like in these snapshots of growing up, potentially getting married, having kids, and getting old. That is what is happening to me, and I love it. And it's so fun just to be able to see. I love the way they just capture that in these moments. And you're identifying as you're watching that with various stages you're either in now or have been in or anticipate. And that really sums it up so well. We kick off a brand new series this weekend called Don't Blink. And the reality is there is scarcely a married couple who's reflecting on anniversaries or parents that you might be asking for advice or grandparents that are reminiscing on just their, their story who don't all say the same thing. Don't blink, it's gonna go by quick. And the reality is, is that if they're all saying this thing that time keeps moving and that the stages of our lives and our families, our marriages go faster than we think they should, then there's something to pay attention to. Something to pay attention to about not only that time is moving quickly, but more importantly, God has us here for a reason. And his purposes are those that we want to pay attention to, learn, lean into, and walk in because time is moving. And that's really what this series is about. It's a big overarching series, not just about parenting, not just about marriage, but it's gonna have pieces of both. And we're gonna have a great time going, God, we want to understand what your design is for our family, what our des- your design is for our marriage. And as a result, if we have been living in a way that's dissonant with that, not according to that, God, bring us back. That's the beauty of what God is always about is that of repentance and and turning back to what God has for us. And so course corrections are going to be many in the course of this series to be able to go, man, God is patient and kind and looking for us, not just to keep doing what we've been doing, but doing what he would have us to be about. So we're excited to dive in. If you have a Bible today, would you find your way to Matthew chapter 22? Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. Chapter 22, just kind of hold your finger there in your book Bible, your electronic Bible, whatever you may have, and we'll be there in just a minute. Now for a a family series over the next eight weeks, we'll just begin to get into some different issues. One thing I love is that our HDC kids and student teams have put together a parenting conference. We haven't had one here at HDC for a while, and that's gonna be on Sunday, May the 21st. It's gonna be in the afternoon, I think two-ish, into the evening, and it's gonna be a great time. Our good friend Ray Johnston, founding pastor of Bayside Church, is gonna be down preaching that week as well as being our kind of main session speaker, along with some great breakouts that'll be really helpful to you on various topics taught by our own staff and family. So we're excited for the whole thing. Now, if you wanna know more, Earlier, just a minute ago, Aaliyah talked about uh, this new number. We're using it a lot. If you take your phone out real quick, just do something with me. Take your phone out. That's not hard. And turn to just the keypad, right? The numbers in order. And if you look at those numbers in order, you're going to realize that five, oh, I got to, why don't you guys put it up on the screen? I haven't memorized it yet myself. Six, four, five, six, seven. If you look at those on your keypad, they spell the letters O I K O S. That's oikos, 
If you didn't know what that meant, not the yogurt, but what we're all about here at HTC. So if you ever forget, what was that text number again? It's Oikos on your keypad, 64567. If you text family, like 250 of us did last uh, Sunday on Easter weekend, then you'll be getting updates from our comm team that remind you even like this series starting tonight and how to register for the parenting conference. You can also find that on Guest Central. But we're gonna use this text number a lot. It's really easy, quick communication. And you need to text the word, by the way, family. If you just text that number, it will not know what you want. Family to 64567. So excited for that and excited that that's gonna be on the radar in just a, a short amount of time. One of the things that we're gonna do in this series is we're gonna work to provide a lot of great options and resources for you. We believe that. It's just a, a difficult thing to find the kind of resources because it's hard to know where to begin. And I'm gonna say this book is one that I'm gonna recommend right out of the gates. I've almost, I've just always loved, when I say almost, I always have. I was gonna say almost read, but I don't know if anybody's almost read everything that uh, Dennis and Barbara Rainey have put out from Family Life. This is their newest book and they write it from a great perspective. It's called The Art of Parenting, Aiming Your Child's Heart Towards God. And they write it from the standpoint of being grandparents, raising six kids in their own home who are all out now and raising their own families. They have an interesting perspective that they didn't have early on in their ministry. And it's just such a good read. I'm, I'm most of the way through the first part of the book, really enjoying it. And we just wholeheartedly recommend it as just a great foundational book to begin with. God, where do we even start? That's a fair thing, right? For a parent to say, God, we don't even know where to begin. What a good fundamental foundational book that I could recommend to you is their book, The Art of Parenting. And by the way, when you hear the word art, you're like, oh my gosh, mine looks just like finger paint all over a board. We're a mess. Don't worry. I love this idea though of aiming. And we'll talk about that in just a second. Another thing I want you to notice on your notes, on the very back, by the way, you'll see that book recommendation is there. So if you're like, oh snap, I forgot what he said. Don't worry, it's there. We'll have it there every week. We'll have a book recommendation all eight weeks of our series. But you'll notice right below a table talk conversation question. And what we're going to do is we're going to put this before you to talk about with your spouse or to talk about with your kids over this next week related to whatever we've talked about on the weekend. Just one question. And we're hoping there's at least one time this next week you might sit around the table together. That seems like a low bar, but in today's world, world, that's actually a bigger thing than many of us would even think. So one time around one meal, ask that question, let it kickstart a great conversation. We'll also have one of those for every week in the series as well. Now I'm saying this, there's some of us, the minute you heard, maybe you're here with us last Easter weekend, or you're, you're here, you missed, but you're here tonight. And, and you hear this idea of a family series and all of a sudden you just check out. And then when you hear me say eight weeks, you go, I'll be back in nine weeks. You know, like I'm out. This is not gonna be helpful for me. This is not where I'm at. And I wanna help you actually understand that you're wrong. And I wanna show you why. So let's do this. We're gonna get a little exercise. I want you to do this. If you are currently raising kids at home, would you stand up? Just stand up where you are. Okay, you got kids at home. Look around the room. These are people that need your prayer. Okay, big time for sure. Stay standing. If you are the kids who are being raised at home, stand up. I have a few in our services today. 
all right? You're the ones being raised at home. If you are empty nesters, they have flown the coop, stand up. Okay, that pulled in quite a crew of us. Okay, good. If you are married, stand up. Okay, watch this one. If you want to be married, stand up. Don't be shy, don't be shy. If you're a grandparent, stand up. Watch this. If you came from a mom and a dad, stand up. Come on, there are some people still sitting down. Come on, that's gotta be true. All right, sit down. Here's what my point is, is that when you think of these dynamics as though it doesn't relate to you because you're not in that typical, um, maybe mom, dad, two kids at home, which by the way is very atypical. That's not the norm. (coughs) Excuse me, but whatever your situation is, this is gonna be a valuable series. And here's the other reason why. The things we're gonna talk about during this series apply to every kind of relationship that you have. So even if you're not walking out of here each week going, how am I going to apply this to my marriage? How am I going to apply this to my raising of kids? There are relationships that you have, your relational world, your eight to 15, your oikos, that these dynamics we're going to talk about, how to live with the end in mind, that matters in your relationships, how to saturate your life with the word of God how to understand biblical authority that God has put in place over you. Considering the idea of the rhythms of having people in your life that you influence and influence you. The idea of forgiveness. Those are just some of the topics over the next eight weeks we're gonna talk about and they matter. They apply to all the different relationships that you and I live in. So that's why this series isn't just for other people. I guarantee it's for you. So I'm excited to think about what you and I are going to learn over the course of this next series as we hear God's word and as we put it into practice. If you have your notes ready, let's get those out. Number one, there is a target to aim at in marriage and parenting. There is a target to aim at in marriage and parenting. There are in the, in the list of games that people have played over all time, there are some that are really, really dumb. Okay, and I'm not gonna go and name some because if I did, you're like, oh, Todd, that's my favorite game and I'm gonna really hurt your feelings. But I'm gonna show you one that I think we can all categorically agree upon is dumb. Would you welcome my assistant, Michael? Michael's over here. Michael, you give Michael a hand. All right. So this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna play a game. This is a finger blaster. It's at least my name for it. It's like a Nerf rocket with like a rubber band. Okay, that's all it is. So imagine the game goes this way. Imagine that you just kind of close your eyes and you spin in circles and you just launch. Oh, are you okay? That was our prayer tonight. God, let no one get hurt. Okay. So we just kind of let it go. And then Michael, would you do your part? Michael has, Mike, you want to show everyone? Michael's got a Target. You can buy it any store. And Michael's going to come and he's going to find um, said rocket and he's going to set it on top of the bullseye. Bullseye! (laughs) To which you go, Todd, that took absolutely no skill and all you did was shoot it and then we said that was a bullseye. That's not a game. You'd be right. 
That's not a game, that's absolutely stupid. So let's try it a different way. Michael's gonna bring me back the finger blaster. Would you help me hold that target up? Now, they used to put apples on people's heads with arrows. This is much less dangerous, but let's try There's a target up, Todd's got his blaster. Oh, I only hit you in the shoulder, are you okay? Man, can you give, can you give her a hand, give Michael a hand? Thank you. Talk to me afterwards, I've got ibuprofen. I was working in the yard today. I'm so sorry, I was really aiming way above you and so it shouldn't have hit you at all. The point is, you, you understand that it's a game. You understand there's something about it when there's a target you're aiming at, not just senselessly shooting and then hoping to put something on top. And as we think about this idea of marriage and parenting, we wanna begin at the basics of what God says there is something to aim at. I have given you a target by which you ought to live. Let me show you one of them. This isn't the sum total of everything the Bible teaches on marriage, but look up on the screen. Ephesians chapter five says this. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. Verse 33, however, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Now, this isn't the sum total that the Bible teaches on the subject of marriage, but what it drives at is there is a big bullseye you should be aiming at in your marriage, and that is God has called men to love sacrificially, women to respond willingly, and in that they live in a oneness that can't be replicated in any other relationship. That demonstrates Jesus and his church to an unbelieving world. That's the, the big bullseye that generally we're aiming at in our marriages. Look at when it comes to children. Psalm 78, verses four through seven. We will not hide them being the commands of God from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors, watch, to teach their children. Why? So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. Parenting has a lot of things in it, no doubt, but the main goal, this big bullseye that parents are after is how to teach, how to train, how to prepare our kids to know and love and follow Jesus like we do. So these are these big bullseyes when it comes to marriage and parenting, and God's word has so much more to say on the topic, but I wanna begin in this big 30,000 foot view as we begin this series today to say there are things that God has us aiming at. And then the reality then comes to this, as we take aim, 
we re- realize that the family is this unique environment that God has orchestrated to put together so that new generations of world changers would be raised in them. God could have done anything he wanted, but he built a family unit of a husband and a wife who become a mom and a dad and raise kids. This is his design, and where as we read it, we realize this is it. And the goal, by the way, beyond this idea of training new generations to follow Christ, the goal includes launching them. That they, they launch well. That is part of the idea. They're not supposed to live in my home their whole lives. Some of you are smiling as I say that, because they still are. But as they launch, that's the goal is to go, to be able to be standing independently. And this is the whole kind of course that happens from moving at the beginning when a child is born. Joanna and I are incredibly proud grandparents of this little guy, Hezekiah. And what Jack and Sky are doing, there's high control at this 10 month stage of his life and rightly so. It's called neglect if you're not. But what's supposed to happen is as he gets older and older, his control is shifting into influence until ultimately that's the relationship they'll have with their son for the rest of their lives as he matures, as he becomes an adult and leaves their home, is they'll have a relationship of influence, no longer control. Now there's unique environments why kids are at home longer, even for seasons, like they're saving up and living with mom and dad, or they're between jobs and need a a place to kind of crash. Maybe even a child with special needs that maybe is never going to leave. And that's, that all makes sense. There are special reasons sometimes why kids are at home longer than whatever we think they should be gone. But the reality is this, is that that relationship is one that extends forever, even when they're out of your home. And I think about that, and I love this idea of when I think about my relationship with my adult kids, three out of four are in that stage of life. And I will tell you, when they were younger, I would just sit there at times and go, God, I know my role right now is high levels of control in their life. And as I'm learning to give, as they get older, to give more and more influence, but I cannot wait for the day when we are friends. And I love, love that we get to experience that today. And that is one of the incredible benefits and blessings of what God brings as we walk that out with our kids. This is how it happened to me. And Joanna and I came with our kids almost 20 years ago to HDC. Our kids were five, two, and four months, and Ellie was not in the picture. So three at the time. And we come to the high desert, and we literally came in an Ephesians series, and Pastor Tom was teaching. And he was teaching primarily in chapters five and six, did a, a mini unit within Ephesians on the family. I came as the new family pastor, so my ears are open. I want to hear everything. I'm in it with my kids. I want to understand. And he said something revolutionary to me. He said, no matter where your kids are at, you need to be parenting with the end in mind. Now. Parenting with the end in mind now. Because look in your notes, this is what he said. We're not raising children. We're raising adults who happen to be children now. That's the end game. They happen to be children today, yes, and nobody's calling them little adults. You get my point, but this is the end game. We're raising adults, and at this stage, they are children. 
So we need to keep that in mind. Think of it like as you're walking. I don't know about you. When I was a kid, I would just kind of look down at my feet when I was walking. Today, we call it texting. And if you're texting while you're walking, you, you smash into poles, you run into people because your focal point is literally six inches in front of your toes. It's not a good way to walk. But if you also walk gazing off into the horizon and do this, you're gonna trip over what you can't see. Both lenses are essential. What often happens in parenting is we're just looking straight down and the only thing we can think about is the all-consuming season that our kids are in today and we're not looking far enough down the road. Or we're daydreaming all day long about how you can't wait for them to be on their own. And you're tripping along the way because you're not paying attention to today. Both lenses are essential and crucial to parents as they're raising kids in whatever season they're in. So the fact that there's a target with a timer, it's a good way to think of it. There's a target with a timer that is ticking concerning when your main role of developing independence in your kids' lives will end. The development season will end at a point and you need to take seriously the end game now while you still have time. That's why we do preaching series like these because we want to help. And I realized prior to Pastor Tom's message, I was, God was already priming the pump in my heart as a youth pastor. Literally just months before we came to High Desert Church, I'm a youth pastor up in Oregon and I'm in a seminary class. My assignment was really a great one and it was this, develop, to do a survey with the parents of the kids in your youth group, asking them, what are they after? Meaning, what do, how can you come alongside and help the families in your local church get on board and be a good ally, aim in the same direction that they're going? And I thought, this is genius. I should have done this a long time ago. So I set up appointments. I had multiple people take these surveys. And then I followed up in multiple appointments in people's homes, talking to a single parent or two parents or whatever, this blended families, talking to people about their student. They would have been in high school, so ninth through 12th grade, and asking this simple question, what is your goal? What are you aiming at? And how can I join you in that? I was blown away. I was blown away as they began to tell me that they were aiming at good character in their kids, patience and kindness. I was blown away when they told me that they were looking to develop a good work ethic in their kids so that they would be, just be able to hold down a good job and, and work well. I was blown away when I heard them talk about how they wanted them to have healthy relationships and that was it. You see, I wasn't blown away because they wanted so much. I was blown away that they wanted so little. And here's what I mean by that. All three of those things are wonderful things, but any parent I think I would talk to anywhere would say, I want a kid with good morals and behaviors. I want a kid with good work ethic. I want a kid who's got healthy relationships. Who can I not find on the street who would tell me the same thing? These were all families who were dialed in and long-term attenders at my church. Watch this. Not a single one of them said, we're trying to raise a kid who loves Jesus and wants to share that great news with other people in their lives. 
We're trying to raise a a daughter who's going to love God wholeheartedly with all that she is. And, And wherever that takes her to serve him, she'll be about it. Not a single parent told me that. And I sat there and I thought, God, what is wrong? I'm not saying parenting's easy, even on those three levels, I'm walking it. But I am saying, I don't think it's what we should be aiming at only. And every family I talked to, that was the sum total of their desire, was simply to raise good kids. So it begged the question, and what should we be aiming at? I was only on the job a year here at HTC. We used to have a magazine we'd produce every so often. And in it, I wrote an article and I was trying to process Pastor Tom's message. I was trying to process this survey I had done with these families. And this is what Joanna and I landed on as far as our specific target with our four kids. Here's a picture, a snapshot of their lives at some point. By the way, Aaliyah's in this service, did not tell her I was showing this picture. Sorry, Aaliyah. Here's what we said. We wanna raise four children who love God extravagantly and who love people compassionately, living lives that are God-centered and others-focused. We wanna train our children to know God by reading and remembering his word, becoming able to discern truth from error. We want them to understand what authority is and how all of it comes from God. As for Jackson, we wanna raise a young man who recognizes that he lives for an audience of one and gives courage to those who cower, who honors women rather than exploits them, who keeps his word. We want him to look up to godly men and women as his heroes rather than others who can extraordinarily put a ball through a hoop or play musical instruments the loudest. We want him to attempt great things for a great God. I want him to become the type of father someday that he hopes that I'll become for him. We want him to live like Jesus would if he was in his shoes. And for Aaliyah, Kendallin, and Ellie, we want to raise three daughters who find their value in who God says they are, rather than letting their culture determine their worth. We want their beauty to come from their interior rather than from a synthetic exterior. We want them to embrace God's call to be modest and to present themselves as beautiful rather than erotic. We want them to learn to be content in whatever circumstances God allows into their lives. We want them to be brave enough to trust their heavenly father rather than attempt to control life from their limited perspective. We want them to have hearts that seek to serve rather than to be served. So that's what we came up with. And I'll tell you this, we have not done that by any stretch of the imagination completely or perfectly. Failing often. But watch, we had something we were aiming at. And that's what I would encourage you to do in this series. If you haven't already, build the target. Go to God's word, ask the questions. God, what do you want of our kids? I know God wants you to have moral kids who have a good work ethic and healthy relationships. But I'm telling you, God wants more. And the more is not because you're going to have to do all the more effort. The more is a greater focus, a greater target to aim at than simply raising good kids. It's raising world changers. And so it begs the question, then how do we do that? Well, we do it by majoring on the majors. Number two in your notes, it begins with anchoring their affections. 
anchoring or anchor their affections. I'm so glad that Jesus clarified what the majors are. Your Bibles are open in Matthew 22, verse 36. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. These are people who oppose Jesus and are looking for a way to trap him, to trip him up. And they say, Jesus, of all the 613 commandments in the law, which is the most important? You'll notice, by the way, look on the screen. This is, I just tried to find anything I could relate to. Legos in a family series goes perfectly. And so think about it, a box of Legos, 600 pieces. Imagine finding, just sifting through, what is the most important piece in this box? That's what they asked Jesus to do in real time. 613 commands, what's the most important one, Jesus, go. And without even thinking, without even flinching, Jesus says, love God with everything you have. And by the way, he can't just give one and love your neighbor as yourself. These two coupled together are what we call the great commandment. The great commandment, love God, love people. So look in your notes, what we're being called to do. In essence, you're parenting your children to become God-centered and others-focused. You're parenting your children to become God-centered and others-focused. This is this big idea. When Jesus says, this is what matters most, that God would be the central aspect of your life, centering all, everything else flowing out of that relationship, and that your eyes would constantly be, your radar up, your eyes open. Where can I help? Where can I meet the needs of others and love them well? This is the thing, and by the way, this is the thing I told you earlier today, that no matter where you're at in terms of being in or out of a family today, this is true for all of us. It doesn't matter if you're raising kids at home or if you're 12 living at home, no matter who you are, Jesus said these things matter most. Love God with everything you have and love people sacrificially as though it were you you were taking care of. So this is where it begins, loving God, loving people. This is where we begin and we go, man, God, I wanna be about those things. And the question is, okay, well, Todd, once we start training them, growing them towards that, then what? Number three in your notes, develop disciple makers. Develop disciple makers. Just a few chapters over, Matthew 28, verse 18, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. As a result, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We just said a moment ago that great commandment, love God, love people, and this is what we call the great commission. Be about sharing, influencing, demonstrating this great news of the gospel to people in our worlds. And this is something I absolutely love. I have shared a message like this at family camps. I've shared a message like this at different churches. I've shared a message like this at a family conference. But I will tell you what is so profound and just gets me so excited is when I talk about raising 
people who, raising children who are going to be adults and along the way who are influential in their relationships for the good name of Jesus. The reality is that's something we've been doing at HTC for the last 40 years. This isn't new to us. Other churches kind of stand back and go, wait a second, I'm supposed to share the good news of Jesus with other people? I thought that was like for missionaries that are in Papua New Guinea or for really super Christians who have the gift of evangelism. I didn't know that meant me. You know better. And when we talk about this idea of oikos, we talk about your eight to 15. I love, this is a, a graphic that someone made for me one time that helped me identify, how do we see it? Take a look at this picture. And it's thinking of oikos a little bit. It has the same idea we've been talking about today of concentric circles with a bullseye, a target in the middle. And look at the innermost circle, family. It begins with the people under your roof. When you think of your oikos, you would never wanna look over your own children or your spouse. You never want to look over your extended family that are in your own community that you see all the time. That's where it begins. Being people of Jesus' influence towards those that God has strategically, supernaturally placed in your life like your own kin. And you know, I think about this series and I think about its timing. We had a great conversation with our campus pastors a couple weeks ago as we are thinking about this series and one of the things that came up was an interesting thing of the when. We're starting this series in the middle of April. And there's only about six, seven more weeks of the school year for those that have kids at home that are going to school. The school year is going to be done pretty quick. And it's an interesting time because maybe normally we would have thought of a series like this in the fall where it's like energizing to go, man, as we think about raising our kids to be people of Jesus' influence now, not just when they turn 18, but now in their classrooms with their teacher, with their friends. Well, we're at the back end of that. That's almost over. And can I say this? You are at the back end of that. But the ways that God would still want to use your kids in their classroom settings with that particular teacher or teachers, those particular students, that's all gonna change in six weeks. And you're not gonna have the same scenario next year. Think about a meaningful time to go, God, I wanna pay attention to who's in my kids' lives and who's in our lives. As parents, we interact with that teacher or teachers. We interact with some of our kids uh, parents of their of other students, that's all going to change next year in a big way. This is a unique moment to be reminded of how God has called not only your children to be world changers, but he's called you to be one too. One of the things we talked about is it always begins with an oikos card, right? It always begins with writing down your eight to 15. And if you haven't done that recently, we have them all in the back in the lobby. You're welcome to grab one. But what'd be really interesting is to think about who's on your kids. Because, right, we say that your kids have an eight to 15, just like you do. And they happen to be the kid that sits here in math and the kid that sits here in science, who you are on the same team with at PE. Those are all the people in their world. And it'd be fascinating to take those two Oikos cards and compare them because I'm a big fan that we're always better together than just simply me by myself. And when one of my kids has a friend or a person in his class or her class and we have a connection with that child's parent, 
Now all of a sudden we have an opportunity to be influential to a whole family, not just to parents or not just to kids. So I'd encourage you, this, this series at this season can have incredible purpose. If you'll take advantage of what God has put you in for the last seven months before you go into a summer. The other thing is this, think about summer. Summer now in our uh, area, and it's really true of probably most places, is eight weeks. That is it. And it's, and it's just true for everybody. It is eight weeks. What an incredible thing to think about as a family, to think about in your marriage. We're going to have a unique season in the summer. Maybe we'll get to go and do some more traveling than normal. Maybe we'll have just some more days off and cool the jets. Whatever it is. These eight weeks of summer, there's an intentionality that you can demonstrate this summer more than any summer before. God, you've given us a unique, unique eight-week window. How are we going to keep demonstrating and growing in these areas of being mutual world changers together? We haven't done things as a family like pray together. We haven't done things as a family like sit down and have a meal together. We're going to do some of those things to recapture this opportunity to be influential towards each other before the summer's over. Those are all things that this next season affords. Look in your notes. This eternity altering truth out of the gospel was never meant to end with you and your spouse or you and your children. God has always put us here to be people of influence so that other people would know, other people would hear this eternity-changing news that has flipped up your world and mine. So let me say this in conclusion. I wanna stop and encourage you. Some of us, as we began this series today, we go, man, we are so far from the mark. There are times when I would be in these services and someone would be in a family series and I would just feel the weight where one or more of my kids are just not walking where God would want them. I'd feel the weight of not being that kind of husband in my marriage that God's called me to. And I wanna tell you this today, if you're feeling that, if you're feeling less than encouraged, but just another weight of guilt, can I tell you a couple things to encourage you before we go? Number one, whatever direction you're going and wanting to have that kind of marriage that God has outlined for you, that having raising kids in the way he's after, let me just encourage you not to stop, to not give up. Galatians 6, 9, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. The Bible says in essence this, don't stop. And trust your kids' future to God by leading your kids towards his goals in their lives. If you didn't have this information until now, don't fixate on what you haven't done, but instead focus on what you can still do today. Don't stop even after the job of training them is done. There's an encouragement to say, where sometimes we feel defeated. Other times we feel like we're in cruise control. Everything's good. We're just going to ride it out. The reality is God says there's a harvest of righteousness waiting when we'll be a people who don't give up. And the great news is I want you to get to enjoy. I want you to get to experience the things that I think God's always been after in this wonderful thing he's created called the family. When we actually do raise kids who become our our peers in the sense that they're adults 
and we have a new type of relationship with them that isn't based on obedience and control, but now influence and just shared memories. And this is the way that the Proverbs put it, Proverbs 23, 24. The father of a righteous child has great joy. A man who fathers a wise son rejoices in him. I want you to be able to experience that kind of joy, all that God has for you. And it begins by saying, God, help me not to blink. I need to be here, I need to be present. Let's pray. Father, we begin this series realizing that life goes quickly, moves fast. In so many ways, we just can't seem to get enough done, can't seem to engage or focus enough to keep up. But rather than having distractions, rather than being confused that there's even a target at all, God, help us receive the truth of your word, the truth that says there are some things to aim at, to aim at in our marriages, to aim at with our kids. And would you help us God, to be people who don't give up, that we keep showing up, we keep relying upon you, and we keep praying, God, that our kids will see the value of who you are. Maybe you're here today, and you know, one of the things that bubbles to the top is it is impossible to give what you don't have. And if we've said that, your marriage ought to be marked by living selflessly and putting the other in front and demonstrating Jesus and his church or parenting ought to be transferring these wonderful truths of who God is so that your kids would follow him. You recognize I can't give those things because I don't have them myself. Let me tell you, you're in a great place today because it begins with bending your knee, surrendering your claim on you and saying, Jesus, I want to live this life as a spouse. I want to live this way as a parent, but I, I cannot on my own. I'm absolutely in need of you. It begins by A, admitting that you're a sinner who needs a savior, that as a result of the way that you have not hit the bullseye in your life, the Bible calls it sin. That relates to the fact that there's a broken relationship with a holy God and there is judgment awaiting you. But the good news be believe. Believe that Jesus came, lived a sinless life, died a sacrificial death, was raised supernaturally on the third day. Believe that Jesus came and did all that for you, made a way for you to be right with God. So would you see, choose choose to say, Jesus, I do bring all that I am. I'm a mess. I get it. But I need you. And if you if you say there's forgiveness, if you say there's hope in who you are, I want it. And I put my trust in what you've done, not in what I can somehow do to earn your love. You've already loved me. And I'm going to live the rest of my life following after you. Father, this week, would you help us take aim? This week, would we keep seeing the target you've put up in front of our lives and we, we live towards it? Thank you for your help. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your patience along the way. We pray in the great name of Jesus. Amen.